Okay, Tov, and welcome back to our ongoing series of Shiurim and Afyomi. We are now in Masachet Yevamot Ayin Hey Amur Aleph. The definition of Psua Daka that was mentioned in our Mishnah. And we will continue on to Ayin Vav Amud Bet, going through to the Mishnah of Amoni Moavi. Psua Daka. Mantana Mishtamer Psula Da Achla. This is the following, uh, the following consideration. Is that the uh, we said that the a wife of a ptsua daka can continue eating uh, truma as long as she has not had bia with her husband since he became a ptsua daka. That means that her status is mishtamer the bia psula, meaning she is anticipating having bia that is a bia psula, um, and that would be sort of parallel to a situation of an almana who became betrothed to a coin godal or a grusha to a coin hedyo. So, so who is the Tana who says that if you're anticipating having Bia with a Bia Psula, um, nonetheless you still eat Truma? It's the same Machloket that we had earlier on. We have Machloket, Rabbi Lazar, and Rabbi Shimon against Rabbi Meir. Right? Who says that, uh, Rabbi Meir says that an Almon of the Coin Godal does not eat Truma from the minute of Erusin. And, uh, and Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon says until Bia, she does. Rabbi Yochanan says no. Even our mayor would agree here that she eats truma because she had been eating truma properly before her husband's accident. Now, Rabbi Lazar says, He says, he just doesn't take that into consideration. Either you are somebody who is, the next bia would be a bia poselet, in which case it's machloket, and it doesn't matter whether you ate in the past. Now, and what's his argument? Let's say a Bait Yisrael married a Kohen, and her husband died without leaving her with children. Tochal, according to you, she should eat because she already ate. Shekvar Achla. That, of course, is uh, somewhat of a strange counter. And Rabbi Yochanan disagreed with her Belazer and said that everyone would agree here that she eats. says, Hatam Paka Kinyane. In the case of the Kohen who married the Bait Yisrael and the Kohen died, his death means there's no more Kinyan. She has nothing to connect her to the Kohuna. Here, the woman is still married to the Ptuadaka. She's still got a Kenyan with him. Uh, she can't marry another man, etc., until she gets a get. So, uh, so she's still connected to the Kuna, and she's had nothing happen that would puzzle her from eating Truma. Now, the next piece, which is much longer, details specifically what a Ptuadaka is. Ezo Ptuadaka. The Mishnah said that a Ptuadaka. Uh, even if one of the testes was uh, was destroyed, and uh, I don't know what is, and as long as there's some flesh leaving, leaving over of the the membrane, then it's good. Now we have more details. man. Even if only one of the testes was smashed, even if they were punctured, even if they became defective, even if they just became sort of smaller or kind of disintegrated. He said the, what he heard in the tradition from the Chachamim Kerem was that if somebody only has one testicle, then they are considered like a Sris Chama, meaning somebody who, uh, due to natural means or at birth, was uh, a Saris, and such a person uh, can eat uh, Truma, a Chasher. Now, Sris Chama Salkataitach? He's not a Sri Schama, because he had an accident happen to him, but he's the same status as a Sri Schama and Kosher, meaning he's not a Ptuadaka, 
and he can marry a Jewish woman, and there's nothing Ill illegitimate about it. Now, parenthetically, we said in that Brighta that if there is a puncture, then uh, then he is considered to a daka. Nika of Lomolid, so the assumption is, and that means any of those wounds are things that will keep him from being able to uh, to give birth, to uh, to inseminate, as it were. There was a man who climbed up a, 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 a palm tree. And he got one of the branches, uh, punctured his uh, testicles. Uh, and uh, we all saw some sort of... Uh, uh, some some sort of a membrane or something come out of the uh, of there. Vaholid, and nonetheless he uh, he was able to give birth. So halachala. So so you see that Nikav does not keep you from giving birth, so you shouldn't be considered to a daka. So the answer is halachala Shmuel akami to Rav. Shmuel sent this story to Rav. And Rav said, you better go find out who the father of his children really is. Meaning the assumption is he can't give birth, and if his wife was able to have children, she probably had them from some other man. Uh, Amr, which is, by the way, a very audacious statement to make, because it obviously puts into question the legitimacy of the children. It doesn't just put in the legitimacy, it outright calls them Amzerim, and uh, that's something that would not be done unless he was 100% sure that such a person would not be able to give birth. Okay. Amr of Yehuda, Amr Shmuel. Tzuadaka bidei shamayim kasher. If somebody's a Tzuadaka from birth, or something that's not as the result of human intervention, he's kasher. Amarava, Hainu the Karina, and that's why the Pasuk says, Ptsua daka, velo karinan hapatsua, meaning, not all of them, but one who has actually had the action happen to him. Manitatan and Amar loyavo ptsua, ptsua daka, and Amar loyavo mamzer. If you look at the first two Pasukim on the page, and they're juxtaposed in the Torah, prohibition of a ptsua daka, and the prohibition of a mamzer entering the kahal, and we read them next to each other, just like a mamzer is only created by human behavior, illicit behavior, so Ptuadaka has to be somebody who was made that way by a person. Might have an accident, something happened. So he says, Ptsua, Daka, and Krut Shavcha apply to all parts of the genitalia. So if it's smashed, or if it's defective, or if it's cut off, um, in any of these cases, it, the person's invalid. Patsua kulan meaning, whether or not the penis itself was smashed, the testicles, the membrane. Same thing. And that's wounded. Again, all three areas are subject to all three of, or any of the three uh, wounds. Now, Amrali Ahumir Abana the Rava. So, one of the students asked Rava, He asked him a very straightforward question. He said, How do I know that Ptsua Daka, which just means an injured or wounded person, it doesn't say what part of the body is. How do I know that it's the genitalia? Maybe it means if his head is hurt, he's not able to come into the kahal. Now, clearly, the question is being asked theoretically. He's not suggesting that the centuries of halacha would be overturned. But he's trying to say, How do I know from the Pasuk? That, that refers to that place. Because if you look at the two psukim, one and two, number one says, a ptua daka cannot enter the kahal. Number two says, a mamzer cannot enter the kahal, even to the tenth generation. It did not mention generations in the case of the ptua daka, the assumption being, this is somebody who cannot have any generations. So obviously the wound is in the genitalia. 
Let's turn it upside down. Maybe the fact that Ptua Daka does not count generations is because only he is Pasul, but his children, who he can't have because the wound could be elsewhere, uh, are allowed to marry in. As opposed to a Mamzer, then it's in perpetuity. Um, so, um, so we, we, uh, we, we're not exactly sure, except that Ptua Daka is in the same Pasuk as Chut Shofcha. Just like Kutshofcha means he's cut and spills, right? So that must be a reference to genitalia, so is this. Kutshofcha gufe, so let's go to Kutshofcha itself. How do I know that that's also in the genitalia? Maybe it's his lips. If his lips are cut, and all these things are somewhat strange to say that if somebody has cut lips, they can't marry, right? So the answer is Shofchati. Makom Shofech, meaning. He's cut in the place where he normally spills out. Ve'ema michotmo, right? Your nose also spills out. So miktiv bishfoch kut shofchaktiv, right? Somebody who is cut at the shofcha, at the spilling place. Misha al yidei krita shofech, somebody who is only able to spill because things are cut. Shelo yidei krita ino shofech, right? Rather, ella mikaleach. If he's not cut there. Then he doesn't uh, spill, but he rather shoots out strongly, right? Al yidei el makaleach, shofechu, as opposed to the nose that, in any case, is going to be spilling out. In other words, the way that a seminal emission works is that if he's healthy, it shoots out strong, but if, on the other hand, there's something wrong, then it spills out, as opposed to the nose, which, in any case, so it's the krut shofcha, meaning it's the it's the uh, cutting that makes this spilling happen. And we also have a brighter that supports this manita tana This supports our original read, which was that just like a mamzer is is caused, is a, or like an earlier read, just like mamzer is caused from that particular location, it's by illicit sexual relations. Similarly, psuadaka is about the genitalia. Okay, now the the uh, next consideration that we're dealing with is the specific location of the puncture. He said if it's punctured, and Rava said that puncture applies also to the Gid, if it's punctured, then it's invalid. So let's say that there was a puncture below the corona, and on the opposite side, above the corona. He thought such a thing is kasher. He says, anything on the corona itself, any puncture there, is already invalidates. Now, the Brightest said, the Mishnah said, if there's uh, left from the corona even just a one, one strand, he's kosher. So Ravina, thinking about this Mishnah, asked the following question. Does it have to extend all the way around, or just a majority? He said that we know it only has to go a, a majority of the way around. It has to be towards the body. Now we're going to deal with two different kinds of wounds. One is if the penis got shaved so it's thin like a reed. And so Ravuna says the first case, that would be valid. That's not a, called Kuchovcha. And Kemarzev, but if it's skinned like a gutter so that it's kind of some of the skin is off, then it's pasul. Why? Hi, shali pavira, hi, lo shali pavira, because the second one is quote unquote like a gutter, 
has air being able to seep in, cool things off, and therefore he cannot generate semen. Chistamar, he had the opposite. Because the kumus is so thin, it can't create friction during intercourse, and therefore cannot create the semen. So Rava said, we should rule like Ravuna. Why? Because the issue of the air. And imishum griduta, if you're concerned with the very thin one, and its inability to have friction, just like when you have a bung in a cask, when you have a, uh, a cask of wine, and they would put a bung that would go to the bottom of it, it would always find the, the hole at the bottom, so when you would uh, take out some wine from the bottom of it, this is what they would do when they wanted to have small amounts of wine come out, they would open it up, as soon as they would t- move the spigot away, the bung would find the hole and get in there, in the same way um, with, with intercourse. Uh, he said, actually, the Allah is either one of these is kasher. The question was, the question is, where is this, uh, this flayed skin? Is it above the corona or below? Meaning closer to the body or away from the body? Obviously, it has to be closer to the body. Why? If you think it's beyond the corona, even if it's totally cut, it's still valid. It's the part that's close to the body that is the problem. Ravina, so why did Ravina say it? He was just trying to test Maremar to see if he could catch on and catch the mistake. And now we have a couple of stories. There's a story happened in the town of Matamachsia. So somebody was wounded, so what Ravashi did is he arranged for this person to have the skin shaved so it was like a reed and then he was machsher the guy there was a story that happened in Pumadita so the fellow's um, um, portal through which the shichvatzera would come out got uh, sealed up it came out instead through the urethra so Rabbi Barbay thought the guy should be kosher there's an interesting uh, discussion about what this phrase means, but the simplest meaning of Rashi reads is that Arbibi Arbaya was, of course, Abaya's son, and therefore that means he was a descendant of Eli, Beit Eli, who were people who uh, had short lives, as per the curse in uh, Shmuel Aleph Perak Bet, and he said, therefore you say uh, sort of incomplete things. You don't understand that if it is uh, going through the, the urethra instead of the vast deference, that it's not going to cook and shoot out properly, and therefore he cannot be mullied, and the person should be puzzled. Let's say that uh, there was a puncture and it sealed up with the skin, with the flesh. So if he has another carry, another seminal emission, and it tears open, then he's puzzled. But if he has another seminal emission and it stays whole, the wound is healed, then he's kosher. So Rava asked, where is this wound? If it's beyond the corona, even if it's cut off, it's also kosher. It must be on the atara itself. So eat marnami, kosher. So Shmuel said the exact same thing. If it's on the atara itself, then only if it reopens when having a carry. Then it's kosher. The question is, how do you test this? So he asked him, how do we test this out? 
They bring hot barley bread, and they put it in the anus. And what that does is it heats things up and causes them to emit uh, semen. And then we see what happens to the wound. And we take a look. What everybody is so chaste, like Yaakov Avinu, that he said about Ruvain. Ruvain was my first drop of semen ever. Yaakov was so chaste, well into his uh, 70s. He had not had a, semen, a seminal emission, and that Ruvain was his first drop. Several Shona take a look at Tosfot here. Um, but uh, do we have somebody who's so chaste that needs to have so much uh, external intervention in order to create semen? We put, bring him uh, some fancy women's clothes so to get him excited. Who was one of David's great supporters when David was on the run, according to rabbinic tradition, was very promiscuous. And so he said, what, is everybody so promiscuous that uh, just seeing women's clothing is going to get him excited? We go back to the original solution of the barley. If somebody has a puncture, he's pasul because the semen just kind of flows out, it drips out. Nistan kasher. But if it's sealed up, then it's kasher, then he can give birth. This is the unique thing of an invalidity that could go back to validity, meaning that he got healed. So what is this excluding? This is excluding something that has nothing to do with psuadaka, but with trefot. Let's say that there was a wound on an animal's lung, and then it got sealed over to enokrum. That's not considered a seal, and, and he's still a trefa. Um, so the, he asked, what, what do we do in such a case? They bring some barley, and they scratch it. And then they put some suet there, and they rub it. They bring a little ant. And it crawls around and kind of seals the fat in. And then they cut off the head of the ant. It has to be a piece of barley. And while if it's uh, iron, if you use metal, Mizraf Zarif. Then, if you use metal, then it could cause an infection. This is all another solution, an alternative solution of how the hole could be, could be um, therapeutically sealed up uh, in a Kutshofcha. In a um, there's only if it's a small puncture. Well, if it's a large one, then it's going to reopen. So Ravuna made this interesting observation. He said if somebody, when they urinate, it comes out of two exits, then they are pasul because we assume they're kutshovcha. So Rava said we don't pass them like the son or the father, meaning Rava Baravuna about this, and Ravuna about something else. The son, that's what we mentioned. Abba, where do we not paskin like the father? Ravuna said that if women engage in sexual uh, mutual excitement, that they are pasul lakuna, and we don't rule like Ravuna in that, and they're not pasul lakuna. Even according to Rabbalazar that we saw earlier on, who said that any non-marital sex creates siznut and a pasul lakuna, that's with regular intercourse. Here it's just stam promiscuous behavior, which of course we were not happy about, but does not invalidate her for kuhuna.
Good. Now the next Mishnah. So, uh, that we've been talking about are allowed to marry a convert or a released uh, bondswoman. They're not allowed to marry born Jewish uh, uh, women. This is a sugya that's dealt with in greater detail at the end of Masachat Kiddushin. Talks about kahal, which kahal, kahal gerim, etc. Now, so they asked Rav Sheshit, let's say Rav Tzuadaka, who's himself a Kohen, who we, of course, have been dealing with in the sugya because of the issue of truma. Can he marry a convert? In other words, the question is, do we say that a Tzuadaka is still the Kedushato? Ella what? That he's not allowed to marry by Yisrael, the Osir, and therefore if he's a Kohen, he is still Kedushakuna and not allowed to marry a convert. Perhaps a Tzuadaka Whatever he is, loses his status of kedusha, because after all, a, a regular p'tzodaka is not allowed to marry bakahal. So, sorry, so therefore, as a kohen, perhaps he's allowed to marry a a uh, a kioret. Of sheisha We have a brayta that says that a p'tzodaka, a regular yisrael p'tzodaka, is allowed to marry a nitinat. Now, just to clarify. And I have this as a brief note on the handout. In the ten, ninth chapter of Sefer Yoshua, there's a story about the Givonim, who lived right in the middle of Eretz Binyamin. They didn't want to get massacred by Yoshua. They didn't want to leave their land, so they did an entire disguise and deception. Where they dressed up like people from a foreign land, and they came to Yoshua saying, we wanted to join your people, and they signed a treaty, so they couldn't kill them, and then they found out they were locals. So Yoshua made a gzerah that they would be avadim. And we will see a little bit later on, the next couple of days, the development of who the Nitinim are. Bottom line, though, the Isur of marrying the Nitinim, who are members of the seven nations, who converted to Judaism, the Isur of marrying them, uh, it's unclear if it's an Isur Dorait or Dorabanan, but a Ptuadaka, we see, is allowed to marry a Nitinah. If you're going to tell me that a, somebody who's a Ptuadaka is still a full Yisrael, and therefore a Ptuadaka Kohen is a full Kohen, and can't marry a Giorat, then how could this Ptuadaka Yisrael marry an Atina? After all, the Torah says, You're not allowed to marry members of the seven nations. So, Rava says, Your whole premise is wrong. The issue of Lotitchatenbam is not because of Kedusha. The problem with Lotitchatenbam, with intermarriage, is that the child is going to, you're going to give birth to a child to do Avodazara. That's only if they're not Jewish. Uh, once they convert, then really a, a non, a, a Yisrael is allowed to marry a, a convert of the seven nations. They only made the Gzera against those who can give birth. If a guy is a Ptuadaka and he's not able to give birth, so we don't care that he marries somebody who Midoraita he can marry, and Midorabonin he can't because he's going to have children who worship Avodazar, he can't have children. So according to that, Elamiata, Mamzer Devar Uludi Achinami Doasir, a Mamzer who is uh, fertile should not be able to marry a Natina. The famous Mishnah in the beginning of the fourth paragraph of Kiddushin, Mamzerim and Natinim are allowed to marry each other. So according to you, the Rabbana made a against marrying a Natinim, it should have applied to a Mamzer too who was fertile. Uh, so we modify it. The Rabbana made the Gzera only against kosher Jews, but not against Pasul Jews. Now that's step one in Rava. Hadar Amarava, but then Rava stepped back and said, What I said was wrong. 
when they are not Jewish, there is no Isra of Lotit Chatenbam because it's impossible to marry somebody who's not Jewish. Only once they convert could there be possibly an Isra of Lotit Chaten, which means now there's an Isra Doraita to marry a member of the seven nations who has converted to Judaism. So in other words, the premise is that if somebody is not Jewish, the notion of chitun is not possible. So therefore, when the Torah says, lo bam, that means that you're not allowed to marry them when they have converted. Which brings us back to our original question, is how could a p'tua daka marry a netina? And how could a mamzer marry a netina? All right, so we'll leave that in the meantime. But now, parenthetically, you take a look at the pasuk on the page, it is Pasuk number 5 on the page. You see that the text records that Shlomo married Bat Paro. So if you say that the word Lehitchaten cannot apply to a non-Jewish woman, how could the text say that? The answer is Giyur Gaire, that Shlomo converted her. So parenthetically we ask, but we have a tradition that we've already seen several times in the Masachet. They did not accept Gerim during times of national greatness, and especially specifically in the times of David and Shlomo. So it's a malachim. That's that's very easy. After all, what was the reason we didn't accept Gerim during that time? Is because we thought that they wanted to join the royal table. This Bat Paro didn't need she was Bat Paro. So we certainly would have accepted her as a Giyore. But after all, even if she converted, she's a Mitzvit Rishona, and as we will see in the next podcast more in detail, a, uh, a an Egyptian who converts um, cannot marry into the kahal, marry a regular Jew. Her child cannot, but the grandchild can. If you're going to claim that Bat Paro was part of an Egyptian nation that was no longer the original Egyptians, Rabbi Yudah said, I had a chaver among the students of Rabbi Kiva who was a ger mitzri. Amar, and he said, Ani mitzri rishon, v'nisayti, v'nasati mitzri rishona, asilu v'ni mitzri chniya, k'deshiye ben b'ni ra'uil avobakal. He said, I'm a mitzri rishon, my wife is a, I'm, I married a mitzri rishona, and I'm going to have my son, who's a mitzri chniya, I'm going to have a mitzri shani, I'm going to have him marry a mitzri chniya, and then that child will be able to marry into the kahal, which means even as late as the times of Rabbi Akiva, there were Mitzrim who went back, who were still identified as legitimate Mitzrim. Certainly about Paro was. I'm Rav Papa, Anami Shlomo, Leku native. Whatever. Rav Papa said, I understand why is Shlomo a model. Shlomo no nasiv midi, dirti be minagoima shermado na ben Israel, tovo, vahem by Milevova, hem achenya tutva, hem achrelo, hem by him, the vach Shlomoliava. Take a look at the Pasuk and Melachim Alafiralaf. It's very clear that Shlomo married lots of women he wasn't supposed to marry. So how do you say Because he loved her so much, we consider it as if he married her, but it wasn't really legitimately marriage. In other words, Shlomo's not a model for us. Because to say, oh, she was she was a Mitzri Shona, but she was a different Mitzri, and therefore it was Mutar. No, what Shlomo did was prohibited. And therefore you can't prove anything from that. And the fact that he used the word Vaitchaten is sort of like a borrowed word. Good. So now, Amr Ravina the Ravashi, So let's see if a Ptua Daka could marry a Nitina. You just said that she could, he could. But here we have in our Mishnah that it says a Ptua Daka Chutshovcha can marry a Giyard Mishukhret. It left out Nitina. So Amr Levi the Tamech and Masef of Inanser and Elamid the Vobakal. 
Uh, so if you want to be medayik from the ratio of the Mishnah, look at the end of the Mishnah that says, the only Yisra they have is Lavo Bakal, Hamanatina Sharu. So that means they can marry a Natina. In other words, the ratio which says they may marry Giyarach Meshuchar leaves out Natina. But the Sefer that says they may not marry Bakal also leaves out Natina. Our Mishnah is not going to give us any light about a Ptsuwa Daka marrying a Natina. We have the other Brighta that says a Ptsuwa Daka may marry a Natina. And therefore, that still leaves us with the question of whether a Ptsuwa Daka Kohen can marry Giyarach as he lost his entire Kedusha Kuhuna or not. Everyone should have a wonderful day, and in the next podcast, we'll pick up with the next mission.